welcome to the Head to Heal podcast, where you'll go head over heels learning about how the body and the brain work together to either feed disease or fight it. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist and founder of The Mindful Clinic. With a background in nutrition, behavioral neuropsychology, and hypnosis, I'm going to walk you through the root cause of your symptoms and disordered behaviors. The body has an innate ability to heal. No one is destined for illness, and most, if not all, disorders can be reversed. Come with me as we develop a new understanding of how you can use your head to heal and truly thrive. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist, hypnotherapist, and founder of The Mindful Clinic. I am so excited to talk to you guys about this topic because I honestly get this question about 20 times a day. So now I'm just going to direct people to the podcast. And I've actually done an episode like this in the past. It's just, it was a lot more like, hmm, I would say like we're talking about big groups and this is going to be a little bit more specific. We'll touch on some of those big groups. This is all going to make sense once I tell you the topic for today, because the topic today is going to be, why am I not losing weight? I cannot tell you how many times a day I get this question in my inbox, in my applications, on my DMs. It's just insane, right? And when you apply to work with me, we ask tons of questions about your relationship to food, because obviously if we're going to work together, we want to make sure that you at least qualify, right? I definitely have no interest in working with somebody who doesn't have have an inconsistent relationship to food. I have lots of practitioners that can help from a weight loss perspective that specialize in other things. But if there is no like emotional eating tendency or any like restrict or binge cycles, then you just wouldn't benefit from any of my programs. So if you are overeating and you restrict and binge and you feel out of control around food, then you're a perfect match for my program because we're going to touch on the like relationship to food, the food psychology, the motivation behind why you engage in eating behavior, as well as rebalancing the body. But there is a massive amount of people who come into my inbox or apply for my programs and they say, listen, like I don't have any problem with eating. I barely eat all day or there's no issues with eating, but they still aren't losing weight. And so there's a couple of things going on here. Like, and I gave you this whole spiel in the beginning because I really just want to clarify at this point that you understand that if there is any like inconsistencies, any dysregulated relationship to food, like that is the number one thing that has to be worked on absolutely first because the body's going to follow the mind. And so we can address all the body stuff. We can like reverse the hypothyroidism. We can work on the parasites, the pathogens, whatever it is. But it doesn't matter if you still like feel guilt and shame after eating things or get out of control around certain foods or feel any type of addictive tendencies, right? So if that is completely out of the question, and even if that's in the question and you've worked on your relationship to food, let's say, or that doesn't exist at all for you, there are some other barriers that will prevent you from being able to lose weight. And I would want to talk about that because if you haven't heard my stubborn weight episode, please go back to listen to that one. Honestly, it was in the first season. It was so long ago, but 
I gave a lot of really good information out in that one too, but we're going to talk a little bit about more specifics. Like the stubborn weight episode, we discussed things like, you know, pathogens, hormonal imbalances, digestion, toxicity. If you have a hormonal imbalance, weight loss is going to be more stubborn. If you have a pathogen, it's going to be very difficult for you to lose weight because your digestive system is going to be off. If your body is very toxic, like all toxins are fat soluble and they're going to get stored inside fat cells, which is going to make the fat cells really stubborn. And so these kind of larger topics are discussed in that stubborn weight episode. In this episode, I want to talk about some of the things that you might not be thinking about that are impacting your weight and are preventing you from being able to be the fat burdening machine that I know you can be. And so I literally say this every episode, but like your body wants to be healthy. It's not adaptive for the body to hold on to any weight and the body and the brain are designed to survive. So being fit and having an optimum metabolism is the most beneficial state for the body. It wants to return to that. And so there are literally only a handful of reasons why that wouldn't be the case. And other than the ones mentioned in the stubborn weight episode, because that's definitely the preliminary information you need. These are some of the causes. Okay. These are some things you might not be thinking about. The first thing, very simple, really overlooked dehydration. Okay. We cannot release anything unless we have water to flush it through our body. So like, let's say they're doing construction in your area and there's more toxins in your environment. Like, listen, those toxins have to go somewhere, you know, all toxins are fat soluble. And this is just one example of you being in an environment where there might be more toxins. What if you don't eat organic? What if like everything you eat has pesticides in it? Or what if, you know, you start working in an environment where somebody uses a perfume that is very toxic. Like we are just exposed to literally 2.4 million toxins in our environment in one single day. And your livers are still very primitive. Like the body has not evolved at the same rate as the environment and as our brains have, quite frankly. So if we are dehydrated, we are not like releasing anything. Everything just kind of gets stuck. And so we've talked about, you know, how much water to drink. I just want to reiterate that here. At minimum, you want to be drinking half your body weight in ounces. I really try to get in about a gallon a day regardless of my body weight. And you know, there is going to be a lot of conflicting information out out there on this. So I just want to really clear this up as well. Not everybody should be drinking a gallon of water a day. You need to see what works best for your, your body. When I drink more water and I make sure that I'm getting enough minerals, I feel great. Right. But if I'm just drinking a gallon of water a day and I'm not focusing on my minerals, I feel really depleted because the water's also going to act as like, I mean, of course it's a diuretic and it's going to flush out some of those minerals. And so what I do to kind of prevent this, and again, like this is going to be different for everybody, but it's really easy to just put a little pinch of sea salt. Like I use like really, really good Himalayan sea salt. You do not want it to be table salt. Table salt is bleached, iodized. We don't want any of that. We just want salt, like sea salt. (laughs) And Himalayan is great, but it doesn't have to be Himalayan sea salt. You use the gray sea salt, you use black sea salt. And so even just putting a pinch of that in every bit of water that you drink is going to help to remineralize so you don't feel really depleted. Because if we don't have enough minerals, the body can also hold on to a little bit more water retention, right? We actually need sodium and potassium to pump in and out water and waste from our bloodstream and help us to detox. So honestly, dehydration is one of those kind of root causes of weight gain or stubborn weight anyways that, you know, we talked about so long ago, not just you and me on the podcast, but like was a really big thing in the media, like, oh, drink your water, drink your water. And now it just kind of gets like thrown under the bus, but I see it in almost every one of my clients, like none of them are drinking enough water. 
and I'm not sure if we've talked really about fat metabolism in this podcast yet, but stay tuned because I can't believe why we haven't. But when we talk about fat metabolism, it's not just like, oh, you know, you go for a run and you burn fat and then like it goes away. It just like evaporates. Right? So in order to actually burn fat, it's a two process thing, right? So you have to actually mobilize the fatty acids from the glycerol backbone. So let me back up. In every single adipose tissue, what adipose tissue really is, or fat tissue or a fat cell, is it is a glycerol backbone and there is fatty acids attached to it. Now, in order to burn the fat, we need to mobilize the fatty acids. We need to break the fatty acids off the glycerol backbone and then we need to utilize them. So we need to burn them. So for some people, they are better at just mobilizing and not actually burning. And this is when we start to see the body changing, like the body looks different, but the scale is not moving. This is what I call weight displacement. When we're just displacing the weight, we aren't actually burning the fat. So let's say we are mobilizing the fat and utilizing it properly. Where do the wastes go? Okay, so if we're not drinking enough water, they get reabsorbed and they get put inside of another fat cell. And so just very simply, just drink more water, guys. It's really simple. We actually just moved into a house where we have a reverse osmosis machine in the house, which I love. And so, and we're adding the minerals back in, but you could literally do anything. Just at, just please, for the love of God, filter the water or we're gonna have another problem. Like there is a website, you can go to ewg.com and you can see exactly what is in your water in your area and you will be shocked. Like there are a plethora of pharmaceuticals. We're talking birth control, antidepressants. And then we're like, why is everybody so sick and infertile? And also there's like lead and like copper, like just like so many heavy metals, just garbage that you do not want to be ingesting. So if you're going to be drinking more water, let's make sure it's filtered. A Brita filter is like bare fucking minimum. And then, you know, you know, we'd work your way up from there. I love reverse osmosis. I also love distilled water. We used to go and like fill up our jugs at Whole Foods or Healthy Planet here in Canada. I don't care how you do it. Just drink more water. The second reason is very similar to the first reason. And we're talking about constipation. So again, like I've done so many podcasts on constipation, in the digestive system. This is something that I struggled with when I was from a very young age. Like I remember being like eight years old and at camp and not pooping for the entire two weeks that I was there. And the problem with constipation is that it comes back to these toxins, right? Because when we are excreting things, they need to leave our body and our digestive system, like especially our intestines are semi-permeable. Like the intestinal wall is designed to pull things from the chyme that goes into the digestive system, which is just like our food. It's designed to pull the molecules, the vitamins, the minerals, et cetera, from the food and put them into our bloodstream. So the intestinal wall has to be semi-permeable so that it can allow those things in. But when we put everything in the waste and then it sits in the intestinal system for days and then like the buildup comes and then it's like weeks and it just keeps going and going, like we are reabsorbing all of those toxins. And so those toxins are all fat soluble and they live inside of fat cells. So here we go again with like the stubborn weight on that front. The other thing is when we are constipated, estrogen has to be eliminated through the bowels, through fecal matter every single day. And if not, it gets reabsorbed and then we end up with estrogen dominance and out of the literal, like, I swear to God, at least like thousands of Dutch tests that I've ever read, 
When we're dealing with weight gain, I very rarely see estrogen levels in the right place. And if they are in the right place, the estrogen detox, like the way that estrogen is metabolized is usually not accurate. And that is one of the root causes to being overweight is that like estrogen imbalance and estrogen and progesterone. So constipation is not only going to be just like super toxic for you, but it also is going to lead to, or can be a root cause for hormonal imbalances. But then the question becomes, why are we constipated, you know? And so then we can think about pathogens. We can think about not getting enough fiber. We can think about not getting enough water and so on. We will be here all day. Okay. Number three is too much exercise. Yes. I'm going to say it for those of you in the back. Number three, the third reason for why you're not losing weight is because you were exercising too much. I mean that. I really mean that. You know, this is a hard conversation that I have to have with my type A overachiever clients who really believe that when they already have a very stressful life, like external factors, and then they talk to themselves terribly, like they have a very stressful internal state, that going for a 10 kilometer run is going to be the answer to solve all problems. And then they're like, why aren't I losing weight? And why am I losing my hair? And I'm like, okay, well, this is honestly because all exercise is a stressor. We are stressing the body. It's always a stressor. Unless we're in a meditative walk, all exercise is a stressor. And so if we think about like the barrel theory, everything that we go through, we just add to the barrel. Oh, late for work, add to the barrel. Get into a fight with our daughter, add to the barrel. Clothes don't fit, now I feel like shit, add it to the barrel, right? Oh, I'm eating food with pesticides, add it to the barrel. Like seed oils, add it all to the fucking barrel. Eventually the barrel tips over and that's when we start to see symptoms. And that's when we start to see a lot of like disease or you know stubborn weight or whatever it is. And so, if our barrel is already fucking full, yeah, let's throw a 60 minute boot camp into there and see what happens. Like your stress hormones are only going to elevate when we have high cortisol. Cortisol literally tells the body, hold on to everything because if we're in danger, we have no access to food. We want to have enough stores on us, right? And so if you already feel like you're overly stressed out, doing these high strenuous exercises are not a good idea. And in fact, I'm going to say something pretty fucking bold. Even if you don't feel like you're stressed out, just assume that you are because we live in a society that like basically supports that. And so even if you don't feel like you're stressed out, but if you're not really working out, don't go from zero to a hundred here. The body's not going to respond well. You're going to become inflamed. You're going to release too much lactic acid. It's going to be really difficult. Like this, the weight is going to get more stubborn because you're going to go into like store mode all the time. And so literally it takes longer, but it works so much better. Please just like go for a walk. If you're already stressed, over-exercising is going to make the weight a lot more stubborn but also being too sedentary causes the same problem. So we need to have this like happy medium balance. We need like the Goldilocks type of workout where it's like, okay, walking and you can walk quicker. You can walk up a hill, but like walking really is what is going to help the body to balance because we are bipedal human beings and that's what we're designed to do. Also, They've done so many studies on walking and estrogen. So a lot of the estrogenic cancers do really well with like exercise because it helps to reduce estrogen, right? But the thing is with walking, it can, and again, not a doctor disclaimer, but in the studies with walking, it can significantly reverse cancer cancer cells or like, like completely heal the person altogether. 
But if that person does like more physical activity, like running, it actually doesn't have that same effect. And so if we want to have that effect on things like cancer cells or on balancing the hormones, on working on estrogen or whatever, being too strenuous is actually going to cause more stress, which is going to lead to more malignant cells because it's going to be more inflammation that the body now has to reduce. And if you're already overwhelmed, it's not the right thing to do. So you can walk, you can dance, which is what I've done. I'm going to have to do a whole podcast on this, but I basically like broke up with my gym and it was really hard for me because so much of my identity was wrapped up in that gym. I love the people who go there. I'm like so sad about it because yeah, I've met so many beautiful souls at that gym, but it just wasn't serving me anymore. And so I had to break up with my gym and now I just dance. And it's like, honestly, I'm in the best shape of my life. Like I do still have about 15 pounds of the baby weight to lose, but like I feel great. And like my body is fit and I'm doing like bar classes, but I'm also doing like hip hop and ballet. And I'm doing bar classes with like these little 60 year old women and they are kicking my fucking ass. Like when I used to be at the gym, I'm lifting as heavy as like some of the men there and sometimes even heavier, like I'm going for it. And like, I'm known for that. Like I can lift that much. And I'm sitting here in these bar classes with one pound weights and these little six year old women are literally kicking my ass. And it's hilarious, but it's just different muscles, right? And so when I go and I dance in the morning, instead of like going and lifting or, you know, just doing something that's like aversive or masculine or whatever it is, it's just a completely different vibe. I feel like I'm so much more in my body. And this isn't to say that everybody has to do that, but I do think, and this might just be the stage of my life that I'm at now, but the older that I get, the less I just want to do shit that doesn't make me feel good. And so I was terrified if I stopped working out like really hard that I wasn't going to get the body that I wanted. I wasn't going to be able to fully lose the baby weight or have the six packs that I had going into pregnancy. And honestly, with this type of exercise, like I've lost way more weight, not going to that gym anymore and just doing dance. And I think it really has to just do with like the levels of inflammation and how I used to wake up at 4.30 every morning and work out. And at this stage of my life, can't do that anymore. And that's okay. There's a different way. So anyways, I went on a little bit of a tangent, but that is the third one. Please don't exercise too much if you want to lose weight. The fourth reason is medication. Okay, this one also doesn't get talked about very much. And I've done an entire certification in psychopharmaceuticals and how it affects like more mental health and you know how it contraindicates with the natural medicines, etc. But when we talk about psychopharmaceuticals specifically, like every single psychopharmaceutical out there, if you look at the side effects, it's like weight gain or weight loss, you know? And so this isn't happening because magically this pill is like burning calories faster or like affecting the thyroid or anything like that. This is happening because it's affecting your satiation, right? It's actually affecting your behavior around food, which is why behavioral psychology is always the answer when it comes to food behaviors. Anyways, but with psychopharmaceuticals, you'll notice, and I have a lot of clients who are on multiple antidepressants, anti-anxiolytics, and they've gained a lot of weight since being on them. And there is a small handful of people that will take these things and lose weight. And those people typically aren't in transgenerational obesity families or families that have inconsistent relationships to food. So typically the clients that I see that do gain the weight are the ones that have had issues with weight and with eating behavior in the past. And it just exasperates the whole thing. 
So this is because a lot of those psychopharmaceuticals are working on serotonin and dopamine, right? So they're working on motivation and they're working on satiation. And oftentimes it's not going to be in your favor. So that's that one. But, you know, so many medications are going to affect your weight. And even if it's not from an eating behavior perspective, like for example, medicines that are going to affect things like your water retention, right? So blood pressure medications, cholesterol, especially with cholesterol. So these are the statin drugs, right? And so with cholesterol, a lot of them are going to inhibit the way that your body uses CoQ10 or acetyl-CoA, but CoQ10 is really important for the energy in the mitochondria and the heart cells. And so if we don't have that energy being produced, you're going to become more sedentary. You're going to start to notice weight gain in weird places. And so these are just some things to think about. Obviously, please don't stop taking any medications that you're on. Please talk to your doctor. (laughs) Disclaimer. But I'm just here to give you the information, of course. And so the other massive category of medications that significantly impact weight and weight gain are the PPIs, like the protein pump inhibitors. So the protein pump inhibitors or PPIs are the ones working on acid reflux. When I was working in the medical clinic, in the obesity clinic, with the medical doctor, me and Dr. Abraham spent so much time trying to help people come off of the PPIs because losing weight while you're on something to reduce your acid, your stomach acid is gonna be very, very difficult. We need stomach acid to actually break down our food into small molecules so that by the time it gets into our duodenum and our small intestine, our body can actually extract things from it, right? And most people think that acid reflux is from high stomach acid, but it actually starts with low stomach acid. And this is how it works. So we can reduce our stomach acid for many different reasons. Like if we're stressed, we reduce our stomach acid by 60%. That's fucking crazy. Like even just like not mindfully eating. So walking around and eating, eating while you're driving, like you're not sitting down and you're not prepared to eat. So the stomach doesn't have the stomach acid just like hanging out in there, you know? And so what happens is like your stomach acid might be reduced for whatever reason, whether it's a pathogen or stress or whatever it is, and you eat all this food and then it's too much food and not enough stomach acid. So the parietal cells inside of the stomach are going to call on the body to make more stomach acid and it's going to flood the system, but it's already too late. And then it's going to come up the esophageal sphincter. And that's when you're getting the acid reflux, right? So it actually starts from low stomach acid. So the problem is when people have acid reflux, they start to take protein pump inhibitors or they start to take Tums or they start to take antacids, which is going to reduce their stomach acid even further. And this starts this whole problem all over again, because then when they eat, they don't have enough stomach acid, then they get the acid reflux, then they take the protein pump inhibitor and so on and so on forever. And so these medications, like I'm not talking about Tums, although those aren't good to abuse either, but these medications like the PPIs are not designed for use beyond like a couple of weeks. Like It's not good for you. And if you're not breaking down your food properly, you are not absorbing any nutrients and you're also feeding the bad bacteria. So then we're going to have this like whole population of bad bacteria that's usually quite inflammatory. I'm talking the candidas, the yeast, like the bacteria that are like the carbohydrates that feed off of that fermentation. Those guys are going to start to overpopulate. They're going to crowd out the good bacteria. And when we have you not being able to extract your nutrients from your food properly, which means that if you're not taking the vitamins and the minerals that you need, the cells are going to become resistant to letting anything go because there's nothing for them there, right? So then it's basically like you're starving in an obese body. Your cells are starving, but that's because they're not getting the nutrients that they need. Like if we want to have weight loss, there needs to be an exchange. We need to be letting go of waste and like accepting or absorbing the new nutrients. And so the PPIs are a huge one that I see in my practice. And it's really important that we try to reduce 
or ideally come off of them altogether, please work with a practitioner. Hi, babes. I am literally so excited to talk to you about the launch of my new program, The Mindful Method. This is the exact same method that I have been using for half a decade with my private clients on helping them to heal their relationship to food, to increase confidence, and to lose weight without dieting. If you are sick of not feeling like your best self, if you're sick of promising yourself that on Monday you're going to get your shit together and start again, and if you keep going on restrictive diets and you continue to regain the weight back, let me tell you something, honey. It did not work. Diets have a 98% fail rate, and you already know what's healthy and what's not healthy. You just continue to choose the unhealthy option and continue to sabotage your success. A meal plan is not going to solve this issue. Stop addressing the body with restrictive diets and crazy exercise programs and start transforming the brain so your behaviors can match your desired goals. If you are ready to stop overeating, if you are ready to feel comfortable in your skin, if you're ready to look in the mirror and love what you see, and if you're ready to lose the weight for good, I invite you to fill out the application in my bio. And if you're a good fit, we'll be in touch soon. I am so excited for you. Back to regular programming. The autoimmune medications, like the corticosteroids and all that, that's another big issue. So I'm not even going to touch too much on that. We could do a whole podcast episode on this really, but just check with your doctor. But especially if you're taking something that's going to work on your inflammatory levels or your immune system, it is definitely going to impact the way that your body breaks down fat because your fat and storing fat is the way that your body protects itself. And if you have an autoimmune disorder where your body is literally attacking itself, you're, the body's always under attack. The immune system gets really fucked up and it always thinks that there's a forward invader. So we're always ho- holding on to fat versus burning it. And so, yeah, you just obviously want to check with your doctor, but um, the autoimmune medications are also another one that can lead to really stubborn weight. The fifth reason, and this is a funny one. This is a funny one because it's very hypocritical for me to say, but I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Your Bath and Body Works bathroom soap, you know, the foamy ones that smell so delicious, they are preventing you from losing weight. Like seriously, I'm not even joking. And like all their other products, right? And so hormonal imbalances are a huge factor to stubborn weight. We run the Dutch test in my practice. I talk about it all the time. And there are like, honestly, a handful of hormones that are suspect for creating the issues with weight, specifically estrogen, progesterone balance. Also, we're looking at the androgens like testosterone and the adrenal hormones, cortisol, and all the detox pathways. So like how they are being detoxed thereby methylation, et cetera. But Bath and Body Works, if you look at the ingredient list, they have usually something in the ingredients that says fragrance. Now, fragrance is just a like umbrella term for about 4,000 different chemicals, including things like parabens and phthalates. And most people have heard about phthalates by now, hopefully, but we know that they are an endocrine disruptor, like all of these things are, right? And when we're talking about endocrine disruptors, we're talking about, okay, your skin is like the largest organ that is literally permeable. Like it's not permeable, it is actually permeable to like waters, but especially creams. Like the creams are designed to get underneath the layers of skin, right? And so in things in our environment, that's why when we smell something, they can stay around with us, right? And so 
they are going into our skin and into our bloodstream and they are negatively impacting the way that our hormones function. And so we call these xenoestrogens and xenoestrogens are estrogenetic substances that actually mimic or impact the way that estrogen works in the body. And this could lead to a whole bunch of other things like fertility problems, cancers, especially estrogenetic cancers. And there are also other categories of ingredients that kind of fall into this like fragrance loophole, like carcinogens or volatile organic compounds or VOCs, like formaldehyde, for example, or allergens, right? So, so many people have a very negative reaction and are very sensitive, like chemical sensitivity to the sense. And there's a good reason for that. Usually people that are very, very sensitive have like pathogens inside of them. So their body's already overwhelmed, like candida or parasites, or their liver is very overwhelmed. And so they literally can't detox it fast enough. And so it makes them feel really ill. And this can lead to things like, you know, allergies, asthma, multiple chemical sensitivity, eczema, etc. Weight gain, of course, that's why we're here. <laughs> okay. The sixth reason why you're not losing weight is because your tummy keeps grumbling. Yes. You're like, what do you mean, Jordana? Have you ever noticed that when you eat, after you eat, your stomach makes a lot of noises? And I'm not talking about like, you know, someone puts their ear to your stomach and they're hearing yourself digest. But like, if it's like growling at you and grumbling at you after eating, you've got a pathogen in there, honey. <laughs> and so... This usually means pathogens. I'm not gonna go into a big spiel about pathogens, but what I am gonna say is that this topic is a doozy and it is meant for its own podcast and it will have its own podcast. I've been on many other people's podcasts talking about pathogens because this was a huge part of my practice before I really niched into food psychology. And I still need to use it all the time with my clients because if there are parasites or candida or you know H. pylori or something like, or viruses or anything like that, you're not gonna see the weight loss that you want. We could do all the mindset work in the world, but but these pathogens also affect the way that your brain works too and your mental health. So anyways, pathogens are a major root cause. We talk about digestion and hormonal imbalances, but it's like, okay, why? Why is that digestion impacted? Why are the hormones imbalanced? And honestly, this doesn't just happen for no reason. Like, yes, it can happen from your bath and body work soap, but usually there has to be kind of like an overwhelm in the body already. And like pathogens are like a really big root cause. <laughs> And so pathogens can be like exogenous or endogenous, like bacteria and viruses and microbes and parasites. Pathogens that live inside of us that should be there, like candida is a yeast and it should be there. It just should be there only in specific amounts and it should be only in a specific place. When it becomes systemic, that's when we run into issues, right? But these can significantly affect our ability to burn fat. Specifically, if we look at something like candida, Candida is going to release a byproduct called acetaldehyde, which literally binds to something called glucuronic acid, which is going to prevent estrogen from being eliminated from the body, literally leading to estrogen dominance because we're reabsorbing estrogen, which makes more subcutaneous fat. And so here we go, we have estrogen dominance and it's actually not because of estrogen. So like you can take the estrogen detox supplements like DIM or indole 3 carbonyl all you want, but if candida is the problem, like you gotta deal with the root cause, you know what I mean? Parasites and candida both manipulate the brain and they're very hungry pathogens. So they're also going to lead to like cravings for bread and sugar. And I know I started out this episode being like, if you already have a healthy relationship to food, but I very rarely see somebody who is overweight substantially that has 
a very healthy relationship to food. I don't think I can actually think of one single person. I have lots of people that come into my network and they're like, I don't feel addicted to food. I don't have an overeating problem. But then when we start talking about what that looks like, they're like, oh yeah, I do snack on the couch all night before I go to bed sometimes. And I'm like, okay, well, like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, however, I'm not saying it's not possible. Like, especially because when I work with my clients and we heal the relationship to food, there's a massive group of them that don't lose the weight as rapidly than the others. And that's when we have to look into the things we're like, why aren't you losing weight? That's what we're doing here, right? But anyways, some of these pathogens can also like infiltrate the thyroid. And when we work on pathogens that have infiltrated the thyroid, when we start to address those parasites, sometimes it can make it a lot worse so we can gain even more weight, which is not fun. And we have to be very, very gentle with the thyroid and with the parasite cleansing. So the next one, the seventh, you're like, this is going on forever. I promise I have two more. So the seventh reason why you're not losing weight is because you are scrolling your phone first thing in the morning and before bed. And I understand I am a recovering scroller, but as soon as I read this research study, I was like, never again, get it away from me, okay? There was a study done on blue light exposure before bed at the International Institute for Integrative Sleep Medicine, where they basically gave 10 participants blue light exposure before bed and compared it to a control group. They found that the energy expenditure and core body temperature during sleep was significantly decreased after blue light exposure, meaning that fat oxidation, we lose weight when we're asleep, Remember, we don't lose weight when we're awake. We only lose weight when we're asleep. And if you're exposing your pupils to blue light before you get to bed, the blue light exposure is going to decrease fat oxidation. So burning fat during sleep. Yikes. Okay. If I haven't convinced you to put the fucking phone down, hopefully after this conversation, you will. Because ultimately... Another thing that's going to happen here is that looking at that blue light before bed is going to increase cortisol. And if we're increasing cortisol, cortisol is like an antagonist hormone to growth hormone. So if we're increasing cortisol, growth hormone isn't going to come out. And remember, growth hormone is actually how we burn fat, gain muscle. And so you can spend all day at the gym, but if you are stressed before you go to bed, if you're looking at that blue light, if you're eating before bed, we're forcing insulin or cortisol up, growth hormone's not coming out, you're not losing any weight. I mean, it's not any, none at all, but it's like not really optimal. You know what I mean? And if you're gonna like put the work in and go to the gym, and if you're gonna put the work in and like eat healthy and treat yourself well, like just take that extra step. We're talking like 10 to 30 minutes before bed, do something else, okay? The final one, (laughs) the final reason that you are not losing weight is because you have poor connectivity between the nervous system and fat. And so I talked about this a little bit when I talked about fat mobilization, right? About how we actually burn fat, but the nervous system, like it's not just the brain, okay? It's the brain, the spinal cord, and all of the peripheral nerves that extend out and attach to our cells and attach to our fat cells. Like we have nerves that literally attach to the fat cells and tell them grow, burn. Like that's where it's coming from. The fat cell doesn't have a mind of its own. It has to come from the nervous system you know? And so the nerves literally attach to the fat cells and we lose fat through this two-step process, fat mobilization and fat utilization. And when we mobilize the fat, it needs to be utilized in some way. 
or else we mobilize the fatty acids. They go into the bloodstream and they just travel to another fat cell and they meet up with another glycerol backbone and we have the fat displacement, right? So there are actually things that we can take, like there are supplements that we can take to help shuttle the fatty acids in and out of the fat cell and to be used properly. And so something that would be really beneficial for that would be like L-carnitine. L-carnitine is a, an amino acid and it's used for the carnitine shuttle bus. So the carnitine shuttle bus is literally going to shuttle fat in and out of the bloodstream, like out of the fat cell in the bloodstream to be utilized and broken down and burned and used for energy. And so L-carnitine is a really good one to help with this like fat mobilization and utilization process. But there are other things that you can do. You don't have to just take substances because we want to teach the body to do this shit on our own. And so there are two movements that you can do that can help the body to not just like mobilize the fat, but mobilize it and utilize it at the same time. And I think they'll be pretty surprising for you. One of them's not going to be surprising because we've talked about cold therapy for so long, but yes, one of them is cold therapy, not specifically cold therapy, but the shivering process from cold therapy. It's that jolty movement. It's that shivering that actually is going to stimulate the release of epinephrine and adrenaline from the nerve, not from the adrenal glands. Adrenaline and epinephrine made from the adrenal glands are of zero help for fat loss. It has to be made from the nerve and released from the nerve into the fat cell. And that's going to allow for the fat mobilization and then the utilization in the bloodstream. And so there's the shivering, but we can also do this with fidgeting. And this is actually Dr. Andrew Huberman talked about this in one of his podcasts a while ago, but there was a study done, I think it was like in the 1970s. It was like so long ago where they looked at individuals who were constantly moving, you know, like shaking their leg or like pacing back and forth or moving like very animated, moving with their hands and, and had these jolty movements. And they found that they actually burned about 800 calories more than somebody who didn't have these like weird fidgety movements and so you can literally just fidget more like I was a classic fidgeter until they put me on ADHD medication but I was like that person that's like shaking my leg all the time and like just like so hyperactive now that happens a lot less but I definitely think that I am still animated and I notice like I look at somebody like my dad versus my mom and my dad is like so fidgety always pacing we make fun of him because when he watches something on TV he has to stand in front of the TV and like stand there and move like he can't like just sit and watch a show and my dad is very Thin. My dad's very tall and very thin, but my mom is like more overweight. Like she's not really anymore, but she definitely carries a lot more weight and she's a lot more sedentary. So anyways, super interesting. So that's the first part of the connectivity between the nervous system and the fat cells. And the second part is spoiler alert. We've talked about this before, but it's really important, but it is what you are thinking about your food continuing to believe that the donut is going to make you fat, but you eat it anyways is a huge fucking problem. Like I'm not telling you not to eat the donut, but don't eat it being like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is going to make me fat. Like only this once and I'll start again on Monday. Like you're literally telling your nerves to tell the fat cells grow. You know, that's why when I say like, if you're eating the donut and you think it's going straight to your ass, it is. You're telling your body what to do with it. Like your body does nothing without your mind telling it what to do. So like tell your body to do something else Like get behind the behavior, like get behind eating the donut and know that like you're not going to gain weight from one donut or change the behavior. Don't eat the donut, you know? So what are you telling yourself about what you're eating? 
You are literally directing your nerves and telling the tissues to fill up or to burn, etc. So either change your thoughts about what you're eating or change the behavior. This is why I tell my clients and I wake up every morning and I'm like, I'm a fat burning machine. And I swear it's like changed my life. Like anytime I feel like I'm overindulging, I'm like, this doesn't matter because I'm a fat burning machine. I'm like, I've got to say it's been working really well. So anyways, I feel like you guys have gotten a lot of information today. I'm just going to sum up the topics that we talked about just because I know I can go on tangents. So these are just reasons that are overlooked that you are not losing the weight. Okay. The first one is dehydration. The second is constipation. The third is too much exercise or too strenuous exercise. The fourth is medications. The fifth is your Bath and Body Works products. The sixth is the grumbling noises in your tummy. The seventh is scrolling on your phone. And the eighth is poor connectivity between your nerves and your fat cells. All right, my friends. I believe I should be telling you that I have a webinar coming up and I'm so excited. This webinar will be on May 11th. It's at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you head to my website or you're on my Instagram, you'll find links to join the webinar. It's completely free. We're gonna be talking about my three-step system. Last time, if you were signed up, it's a different presentation because last time there was really bad tech issues. So hopefully I'll see you back this time. But we are talking about my three-step system where you are going to learn how to lose fat and change your relationship to food and stop overeating and gain confidence so that you can be the badass bitch that I know you can be. All right, hopefully I will see you there. And also for everybody who comes, there will be so many bonuses on all of my programs and I'm just so excited. Okay, if you like this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and I'll see you back on another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. Bye.